In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Matthew 28, verses 18 and 19 and 20. Today we celebrate the Feast of the Holy Trinity, which holds a unique place in the life of the Church. It's unique because it's the only feast of the entire year that is about a doctrine and not an actual event of the Scriptures. You have the Feast of the Nativity of Our Lord, where we celebrate the actual event of Jesus' birth. The Feast of the Baptism of Our Lord, where we celebrate the actual event of Jesus' baptism. You have the Feast of Palm Sunday, the actual event of Jesus walking into Jerusalem, riding on top of the donkey into Jerusalem with those palm branches. The Feast of Maundy Thursday, the actual event where Jesus institutes his supper for the church. You have the Feast of Good Friday, the actual event of Jesus being lifted up on the cross. The Feast of the Resurrection, Easter, the actual event of Jesus conquering the grave. The Feast of the Ascension, the actual event where Jesus ascends up into heaven. And then last Sunday, we celebrated the Feast of Pentecost, the actual event of the Holy Spirit coming upon the church. But today, the Feast of the Holy Trinity, we experience something very unique. We celebrate not an actual event that takes place in the scriptures, but a doctrine, a teaching drawn from the scriptures. The church holds up this truth of the Holy Trinity, confessing this truth boldly for the whole world to consider. And for that reason alone, it stands apart, but also it's unique in that it's the only doctrine that is honored with a feast day throughout the whole year, which serves to show us even more just how important this teaching is for us Christians to consider. Because if we're going to honor specific doctrines of the Bible, you would think, in the Lutheran Church especially, we'd have a whole Sunday dedicated to the doctrine of grace, the Feast of the Justification by Grace Alone Sunday. It does have a nice ring to it. And what an important doctrine that is, that we are saved by God's grace alone. But we don't have a day for that. Or a day solely focused on any other doctrine of the church, like the doctrine of holy baptism, or the doctrine of the Lord's Supper, or the doctrine of the office of the holy ministry. But we do about the Holy Trinity for without the faithful teaching of the Holy Trinity, no other doctrine matters. And so today we focus on this question for the sake of our own faith, but also for the sake of the world. We ask, is there a God? And if so, who is God? It is the most fundamental question of all questions, and it must be answered first before any other doctrine can be faithfully established. For to know what God has done for you, and to know what God is doing for you, 
you must first know who God is. This is where the apostles begin in their sermon in Acts chapter 2. And they end, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. And so, is there a God? Well, yes. And who is God? God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, the Holy Trinity. Easy enough? Not so fast. We believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, but just to be clear, we do not believe that there are three gods. We believe in one God, the triune God. The Trinity in unity and unity in Trinity, neither confusing the substance nor dividing the persons. And that's where Christians lose people. Because this doctrine of the Holy Trinity does not make sense. The world says, you just said you believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That's three gods, but you just said you believe in one God. That doesn't make any sense. Right. We believe in one God. Three distinct persons. The Father is one person, the Son is another, and the Holy Spirit is another. But the Godhead of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit is one. Glory, equal, majesty, co-eternal. Oh, okay, okay. I think I get it now. So the Son is like a third of God, and the Holy Spirit is a third of God, and the Father is a third of God, and together they make one God? No. We confess the Son is 100% God, and the Spirit is 100% God, and the Father is 100% God, and together they make 100% God. That makes no sense, right? We believe it by faith. Every Christian should be able to explain the doctrine of the Holy Trinity and able to gently rebuke and correct those who show up on their doorsteps who deny the Holy Trinity. By the time our youth finish their confirmation instruction, they know how to draw the Trinitarian Triangle. This very simple diagram that explains what Christians believe about who God is. You draw a triangle on a piece of paper and you write God in the middle of that triangle. Then at each point of the triangle, you'll write Father at one point, the Son on the other point, and the Holy Spirit on the other point. Draw a line from the Father to God, draw a line from the Son to God, and draw a line from the Holy Spirit to God, and on those lines you write the word is. The Father is God, Jesus the Son is God, and the Holy Spirit is God, one God. And then on those lines, the outside lines of the triangle itself, you write the words is not the Father is not the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is not the Son, and the Son is not the Father. One God, three distinct persons. This is the doctrine of the Holy Trinity. Now, why is this so important? Well, because you cannot know God if you do not know who God is. And this comes into clear focus when we look at Jesus, who said, Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. 
When you look at Jesus, when the world looks at Jesus, we ask a very basic question. Who is he? The Mormon or the Jehovah Witness who shows up on your doorstep does not know him. They will say that Jesus is the Son of God. They may even say that Jesus is divine, but they will not say that Jesus is God. Just ask them very simply when they show up at your door, is Jesus God? It's a yes or no question. It's very simple. They'll dance around it a thousand different ways, but ultimately they will say no. But what do Christians believe? What has the historic Christian church taught for 2,000 years? It is the right faith that we believe and confess that our Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is at the same time both God and man. Perfect God and perfect man. Jesus asks his own disciples, who do people say that I am? They reply, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some say a prophet like Jeremiah or another. And we may add today, well, some say that you're a wise teacher. Some say you're a good role model. Some say that you're divine, but not God. Others say that you're a fairy tale or a made-up religious figure to calm the masses. Jesus doesn't care what others say. He cares what you say. But who do you say that I am? He presses his disciples. He presses your heart to answer. He asks you, who do you say that I am? The church responds with faith upon the word of God. You are God, true God, not made or created, but infinite and eternal. And you are man, true man, born from the substance of the Virgin Mary. You are Yahweh, Sabaoth, the one who created the world with his word, the one who appears before Moses in a burning bush, the one who sends the angel of death to slaughter the firstborn of all of Egypt, the one who separated the Red Sea. You're the one who triumphs over your enemies and sends the evil spirits reeling. You are the Lord of lords and the King of kings, the one whom David prays. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Jesus, you are both Lord and God, true God and true man. And so we return to that most fundamental question that taps deep upon the heart of every man. Is there a God? Yes. And who is God? God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And yet we believe in one God. The world asks, well, then what has this Christian God done for me? We confess. He's the one who created you. Who has redeemed you. Who makes you holy. He walked among us, but we crucified him. He laid down his life, allowing man to put him to death in the most embarrassing of ways to make atonement for the sins that we have committed. Why would he have to do that, they ask. If he were God, couldn't he just snap his finger and forgive everyone? Yes, I suppose he could have. God can do anything, but he didn't just snap his fingers and forgive you. He loved you so much that he actually came down here for you 
and he died for you. Your sins that you committed were bled for by him, and your iniquities that you've actually done, he took them away in his death, and he buried them. And your wounds, he healed them by his wounds, and your forgiveness is assured by his death. How can any of that be true? Well, we confess, because he's been raised from the dead. He came back to life, and he lives forever. Well, that makes no sense. How can a dead man come back to life? And even if all of that's true, that was 2,000 years ago. How do you even know for sure that that forgiveness that he won on that cross is actually accredited to you? Well, the church confesses. Well, God did not leave that to chance. The Lord told us to go and to baptize all people in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And that those who are baptized into this holy triune name of God, well, they have the assurance that their sins are actually forgiven. That in baptism, you're actually washed by his word and buried with the Lord in a death like his and raised to a new life and a resurrection like his. And that that blood, that poured out from his body on that cross, from his wounds, actually cleanses you of all of your sins and the lavish washing of baptism. And even more, he gives us his very body and his very blood to eat and to drink. The actual body that hung and bled on that cross comes to us today, just as he promised in his word, take and eat, this is my body take and drink. This is my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. And even more, he gives us pastors to announce that our sins are forgiven. And when they speak on his behalf, we know for certain that our sins are actually being forgiven in heaven. As he said to his disciples, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. So let's get this straight. What Christianity teaches is that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and yet there's one God. And that this God came and walked among us and allowed himself to be crucified by mere mortal man, though he himself was infinite and eternal. And that then he rose from the dead, and that somehow this accomplished something for your sins. And that when you today are baptized into this triune name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that somehow what Jesus accomplished by his death on that cross 2,000 years ago and resurrection from the grave is somehow personally given to you. And that even today, he gives his actual body and blood for you to eat and to drink and that by it, your sins are actually forgiven. And that he sends pastors to actually forgive sins by his authority. How does that make any sense to you foolish Christians? It doesn't. We believe it by faith. We believe it all on the basis of God's holy word by faith and faith alone. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your heart 
and your mind in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.